Stand, won't y'all stand with me? We're going to read the Word of God and honor God's Word. Today, we're going to read an entire chapter of the Bible together. Don't worry, it's not Psalm 119. <laughs> Some of you guys will get that on your way home, and you open up and go, wow, he, that would have taken the entire sermon. This is Psalms 100. We're going to read the entire thing together once you read with me aloud. And let's not just read this like there's words up on a screen. Let's read it with some enthusiasm this morning. Normally, this is like Psalm is used as a call to worship. Today, we're using it as a call to this message. Okay? Ready? Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we center ourselves on you. We, we want to put you in the focus. God, we want to see you for who you are. Give us a greater revelation of your goodness and your greatness and your majesty. Lord, let our hearts be gripped with who you are. Lord, I pray that wherever we came to, from today, God, that, that our hearts wouldn't be dampered by circumstances. Our hearts wouldn't be dampered by the weather, that it's rainy and gloomy outside, God, but those are just circumstances, God, but you, are this, you, are, you remain faithful. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're something that we can shout for joy about, and we do. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask you to give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. Let us respond to it with faith. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. We're going to start a new series today called Here to Worship. And as you know, if you're a home folk here at Seeds Church, you know that this year, 2023, the Lord gave us a word about making every home an altar. And what, what happens at altars? Worship, right? Worship and sacrifice. And so it's very fitting that we would need to have a series on worship. And, uh, and, and so we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks. But I think a good place to start is is asking the question, what is it? What is worship, right? Worship is a word that gets used a lot in church world, right? Uh, it's not something that you hear very often when you go to work, probably, unless you work at a church. But it, it, we use it a lot in church world, so we kind of categorize worship as just like a church thing. But it's not just a church thing. And it's not just a Christian thing, or it's not just even a religion thing. So it begs the question, well, what is it? What is worship? Worship is this. Just we're going to boil it down, very simple de definition. Worship is ascribing worth to something or someone. It's placing value on something. It's placing worth or value on someone or something. And every human being does it. We all place worth, we all ascribe worth and place value on things or people. We do it with the way that we spend our time, right? 
We do it with the way that we spend our money. We do it with how we exert resources and energy. And we do it even with our thoughts and then our words. So, you know, there's some big cosmic questions that every single human being deals with. Every single human being worships. And there's some questions that every single human being wrestles with. And some of these questions are like, who am I? What am I here for? Where am I going with my life? What direction is my life headed in, right? These are some heavy questions. But there is a real simple answer that is applicable for every human being, every single one of us. Who am I? I'm a worshiper. What am I here for? I'm here to worship. Where's my life going? My life is going in the direction of whom I'm worshiping, or it's going in the direction of what I'm worshiping. We're all made to be worshipers, whether you know it or not. You're designed for worship. It's how God created every single human being on the planet. And it's not just something that we do. It's ingrained into our DNA. It's who we are. So the question is not if you're going to do it. Are you going to worship? That's not even the question. Are you going to worship whether or not you're going to do it? The question is what are you going to worship or who you're going to worship? That's the question. And then the follow-up question from that would be is, how are you going to do it? How are you going to worship? How are you going to ascribe worth? How are you going to place value on something or someone? When it comes to this idea of ascribing worth, of placing value, uh, you know, where, where you're giving your time, your money, your resources, your energy, your thoughts, your words, a lot of people worship themselves. A lot of people ascribe worth and place value just on themselves. Uh, they, they place esteem on themselves above anything or anyone else. We're born into this world with a sin nature. I don't know if you knew that or not, but, you know, your little precious baby, when it was born into this world, you're thinking, oh, this, this uh, you know, pure and blameless child here I have in front of me. Yes, that seems to be true for a little while until they become a toddler and then they're going to put their finger in the light socket and you tell them no and they understand what no is, but they refuse to listen to you. And so that's why we have to have these little plastic covers that are impossible for us to get out when we want to plug the vacuum cleaner in, you know. <laughs> they, they, no one has to teach your child to be disobedient, right? No one has to teach you how to, to be selfish, no one has to teach you how to worship yourself. We already know how to do this. The, the, the underlayment beneath worshiping yourself is the same thing. It's the same lie that Satan got Eve to believe about herself. You can become like God. You can be your own God, basically. Now, of course, there's a host of other things that we worship as well besides ourselves. It could be another person. You could worship someone else. It could be your family that you worship, the idea of your family. And, you know, doing everything revolving around your family. And 
Listen, family is great, and family was instituted by God, but we're not to worship our family. Does that make sense? Not above God. We, we could worship academics. I saw three amazing young people walk across the stage yesterday. They're all here today. Hello. And you just completed, like, round one of academia, you know, like, good job. Now you're all going to go to college, and it can very, be very easy, whether you're at this level or another level in life, another, you know, level up from here, to worship academia, to worship knowledge. You could worship your own image. Like, you know, some people are like, man, I got to have this kind of car, and I have this kind of clothes, and my body has to look this certain way, because they worship their image. For some people, it could be the arts and entertainment and sports, recreation. For other people, it might be success in the business arena. It could be any, any number of things can be worshipped. Any number of things can, you can ascribe worth to. So the macro question is, 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 are you going to choose to worship yourself? Are you going to choose to worship something else? Or are you going to choose to worship the one who is worthy of all worship. Now, we all know the church answer to that question, right? You know, you're sitting in church today, and you're like, well, amen, I'm going to worship the Lord. Praise God. Bless Jesus. But you got to look beyond what someone says, and you have to look at how they live their life. When you, when you wonder or question like, what does someone believe, just if that keeps happening? Oh, well, it's going to keep happening. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> hey, there's a little switch on the back of that. Can you just flip it off, the big switch? No, 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 no. Don't worry. We'll, somebody will come and take care of it. Not that switch. Anyway. Where was I? The church answer. When you... When you wonder what someone believes, you don't just ask them, well, what do you believe? You know, maybe you're here visiting this church for the very first time today, and you're like, wow, they have a problem with their lights. Um, <clears throat> you got to love wireless DMX. Anyway, you might have come on to our website before you came today. You say, I wonder what they believe, and you clicked on the little page. It's a statement of faith, and you read all like all these different you know doctrines that we believe. You could have seen that oh they have the Apostles' Creed, you know that that's like you know a succinct way of saying well this is what we believe, and then again all the list of doctrines. But then you need to come and you need to visit and you need to find out yourself. Do these people really believe this? Because there's a lot of people that they say they believe one thing, but when you look at their life, you go, I'm not really sure that they do believe that. I think maybe they want to believe it, but the way that they're living their life, I'm not 100% sure that they're convinced of what they say. <laughs> so if you really want to know what someone believes, you got to look at their life. How do they live their life? What are the choices that they make? And the same question is about you. Who are you going to worship? 
So we're, it's like running a diagnostic. You know, when your car is making a funny noise or it's not performing the right way, what do you do? You take it to the mechanic, and the mechanic hooks it up to the computer, and they run the diagnostic, and then they call you up and say, Mr. Swilly, we've got some bad news for you. The canooter valve is, needs to be replaced. You know, when it's not maintained properly, it usually wears out at this mileage that, you know, your car is reading right now. So that's the bad news. Um, it happens to a lot of people around this mileage, you know, when they don't maintain their canooter valve. And the good news is this. We can get one in today and get it repaired and get it back to you by the end of the day. And I'm like, oh, wonderful. Praise God. Wonderful. And, and as you run a diagnostic on your life today and ask yourself this question, I, I, I would, you might feel the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you were once living to worship Jesus, but time has gone by. And life has been brutal. And there have been some distractions. And there's been some heavy things. And there's been some shiny objects. And you're not really living to worship Jesus wholeheartedly right now. Yeah, you come to church regularly. That's great. No, you're not abusive to your family. But it's not really about all those outward things. It's about the position of your heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit would say, Hey, the good news is, is that today we can bring your heart back into alignment with worshiping Jesus. Praise God. How many of you have had something broken or something's not working right and you take it to somebody and you're like, can you just fix this? Like maybe you're a kid and you go to your dad, your parent, you know, your mom or whoever. Maybe it's a teacher or a coach or somebody. He's like, hey, can you just fix this? And what they do is they want to not just fix it for you, but they want to explain to you why it's broken down. And it's not because they just want to show you how smart they are. They want to help you so that you can maintain whatever this is so that it doesn't break down again or so that when it does mess up, you know how to fix it for yourself. But you're like, I don't want to know about that. I just want you to fix it for me. Right? How many of you? Have you ever been there? How many of you have been the mom or the dad of that child? Right, okay. So we know what we're talking about here. So as the diagnostic report comes back today, I, let's look at some things that are going to help us better understand what worship is so that we can maintain our own hearts, okay? So that we don't, if, if we can be aware of like, oh, this is making a funny sound. Oh, this, my heart's not performing the right way. And instead of like keep going on and on and on and keep putting more and more miles on the, light, on the car of our life, and then we have a breakdown on the side of the road, what, we can go, oh, wait, 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 wait. Here's what I need to do to bring some maintenance. Here's what I need to do to fix this, okay? Does this make sense? Here's what I need to, need to do to not be stranded on the side of the road of life with a broken spiritual canooter valve. I just want y'all to know there's no such thing. Some of y'all are like, I've never heard that before. That must be way down in the engine in there somewhere. No, there's no, no such thing. You know, I heard that years and years ago for the first time on that old show with Tim Taylor. Uh, 
Home improvement, thank you. Yeah, canooter valve. Get your blinker fluid changed too, regularly. We said this. We said that ascribing worth, right? Ascribing, we said that worship is ascribing worth to something or someone, placing value on something or something, someone. But how do we get there? How do we get to this place? How do we get to the place of going, I am going to worship this? We get there because this. Worship is always a response, Worship is always a response. When we worship God, it's in response to seeing him. When creation sees its creator, the natural response is to worship, to ascribe worth, to ascribe value to God. Think about it this way. I love my wife, right? I love you. Happy Mother's Day. And I ascribe worth and value to her. Now, of course, I do this in an inferior way than I do it to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord, creator of all things. From him are all things and to him. Amen. But I, I do. I, I value my wife. So in a lesser way, I worship my wife. Does that make sense? Because I ascribe worth and I place value on her. When she walks into the room, I tell her she looks good. Hey, you look cute today. Everybody's like really uncomfortable. They're like, y'all get a room. <laughs> when she cooks a meal, I thank her. Thank you so much. That was delicious. Thank you for feeding our family. When she comes home from work, I say, thank you for working hard so that our kids can have their school tuition paid for. You know, thank you. What am I doing? I'm responding to who she is and what she does, right? When I see her, when I see what she does, I'm responding to her by telling her how awesome she is. Am I doing that because she's like just constantly like, you know, insecure about herself? No. I'm not doing it because of that. Because she constantly needs affirmation? No, I'm not. That's not the reason why I'm doing that. I do it because I want her to know how much I love and appreciate her and how thankful I am for her and for who she is and for what she does because I want to have a great relationship with her. Are you guys drawing the lines here between you and God? I, 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 now, listen, I don't know if your mind has ever gone to this place, if you've ever thought about this question, but it's like, you know, you know, geez, like, is God so insecure that we've got to, like, sing to him all the time? Like, sing these same songs over and over and over? If that's, if that's what it was like for my relationship with my wife, I'm completely missing the point. If, if I'm just doing this because I think she needs just to be affirmed and she's insecure and I just need to tell her, although we are human beings and we, deal, we do deal with that, but if that's the reason I'm doing it, then it's, I'm not getting the full benefit of this, right? But if I'm doing it because I truly want her to know that I love her, that I appreciate her, that I'm thankful for her, and that I want to have a great relationship with her, then, I've, then, I've got, then this, we're on the right path here. 
So if you think that in, in the back of your mind, man, you're just singing these songs, holy, 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 God, Jesus, I love you, good, good father, all these, whatever it is, man, God is just really needy. He needs us to tell him how good he is all the time. No, God doesn't need anything from you. We, we, we talked about this just on Friday night in our life group at the Ashers. Like, you know, in the Torah, and the people are making these sacrifices, and it's like, we're not making the sacrifices for God's benefit. We're doing it for our benefit. God doesn't need anything from you. He's not insecure. He doesn't have to have you tell him all the time how awesome he is. You do that because it's good for you to be reminded because you want to have a good relationship with him. He doesn't have to have you. You're privileged to get to be here. He's God, and you're not. You're created being. He is the creator. No one created him. And we are so privileged to get to have a relationship with him. And I'm so thankful. And I love him so much. Why? Because he first loved me. He's not insecure. But let me ask you this. How do you think this would work out in marriage, right? If Let me ask you this. If you never ascribed worth, if you never placed value on your spouse, how would that work out? Some of you know. <laughs> uh, I won't stay there. JD, didn't you tell Jamie on your wedding day that you loved her and that you would be committed to her? Wasn't that enough? What kind of marriage do you think that would make for? A thriving marriage or a diving marriage? A short one, someone said. If I never expressed how much I love and appreciate her, if I never expressed to her that I'm ascribing worth to her, it might lead us down one of two different roads. One way is this. We may end up in a marriage where we simply coexist. You know, we live in the same house. We parent the same kids. We pay the same bills, sleep in the same bed. But there's no vibrancy in our relationship. There's really no life. There's no passion. There's no enjoyment. There's no friendship. There's just coexisting. And to take that a step further, another way it might end up is, is that down the road, we find ourselves divorced. 24 years of marriage coming up this August. Out the drain. I go my way. She goes her way. The only time we ever have anything to do with each other is when it has something to do with the kids. I don't want that in my marriage with Jamie. I don't want that in my relationship with God. I don't want to be divorced from him. And it's not on God's end. He's not being unfaithful. He's not, he's not abandoned you. He's not ignoring you. Well, I just, I've been wanting to hear him, and I just can't. Have you opened up your Bible recently? He's speaking to you all the time. And not only do I not want to go so far as being having been divorced from God, 
and have that kind of relationship. You know, when I think about it in, in the terms of, of this analogy, like, you know, you only speak to him when it, you know, when you speak to your spouse when it has something to do with the kids. You know, you only show up like at Christmas and Easter, you know, I don't know. But I don't even want to get to the point where my relationship with God is just coexistence either. Where I show up every Sunday and we're living in the same house. We're paying the same bills. I'm doing all the stuff that I'm supposed to do, but there's real no vibrancy in my relationship with him. I pay my tithe. I go to life group. I serve in the kids ministry. I'm doing all this stuff but we're still just coexisting. Why? Because it's not just about an outward thing, it's about an inward thing. It's about a position of your heart. Worship is a response. Not only do I ascribe worth to my wife in private, but I do it in front of my children. And I do it also in public. Why? Well, for a number of reasons. Number one, because she's just worth it. She's worth it. She's awesome. Number two, because I'm not ashamed of her. I'm proud of her. I'm proud to be your husband. And then also because I want my kids to know how to love and honor her. So I'm demonstrating that for them. And I want everyone to know how valuable she is. Are you getting this? Because this is good for marriage but it goes beyond that with our relationship with God. Are you getting this? Psalm, Psalm 29, 9 says, In his temple, everyone shouts glory. Let's try it again. In his temple, everyone shouts glory. glory. It doesn't say, In his temple, everyone that is a seven on the Enneagram shouts glory. In his temple, Everyone that took the colors test and is an orange shouts glory. No, this is everyone. All cry out in his presence. Romans 14, 11, it is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. There will be a day where your knee will bow before God. And you know what? I'm not waiting for that day. I'm bowing my knee today. Amen? I'm not going to have to be made to do it. Some people are. But I'm going to do it because I see him for who he is. And I place worth on who he is today. And that day, we're going to do this. And it won't be like, oh, I see. Now this makes sense. Okay. Now I'm going to bow my knee. No, it's going to be like, oh, my gosh. I see him for who he is. I'm bowing my knee. I'm coming under your authority. In Isaiah chapter 6, Revelation chapter 4, we read about these creatures called seraphim. They're heavenly creatures. And they've got, they've got wings. Not just like two little angel wings. They've got several wings and they have eyeballs all over their body. And you know what they do? They fly around the throne room of God and they look at God and they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they do this day and night, night and day, over and over and over again. They don't stop. 
It's their job. And, and, and I don't think that they're just before the throne worshiping God like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Man, this song has been stuck in my head for a long time now. I just can't get it out of my head. But, you know, this is my job, so here I am, and I'm clocking in. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. No, they're covered with eyeballs, and all they can do is see. And so they're flying around the throne room of God, and they see God for who he is, and they say, holy, holy, holy. And then they see God with another eyeball, and they see him from a different way, and they see something new about him, and they're like, oh, holy, holy, holy. There's no one like you. There's no one... No one can touch him with a 10-foot pole. And it goes on and on and on and on. Worship is their response to a holy and awesome God. And it's our response too. And if you're having a hard time with this in your life, if you're having a hard time worshiping God, I want to suggest a couple different things to you. Number one, this. Stop trying to be your own God. Stop trying to be the ruler of your own life. Stop trying to be your own creator. Recognize that that's who he is. Number two, get your eyes off of your circumstances. And get your eyes on the greatness of God like the seraphim who just keep their eyes on him, thousands of little eyeballs, ask him, give me a greater revelation, Lord, of who you are. And when you do this, the automatic response of your heart will be to worship him. So worship is a response. But I want to offer this to you today that worship is also Sometimes, oftentimes maybe, it's a discipline. What does it mean if something is a discipline? Well, if something's a discipline, it means that you do it even if you don't feel like it. Why? Because you know that it's, it's the best. It brings the best result. It's the best thing for you. I'm going to do this. Because it's in the best interest to follow through with it, even if I don't feel like it. When you go to work out at the gym, which I haven't done for a while, and I'm really feeling it today because I've been working out in the yard hard for the last two days, uh, pulling weeds and uh, working in the landscaping, trying to get ready to make our house just perfect for Noble's graduation party. And... Uh, my hamstrings are feeling it, and my rear end is feeling it, and my back is feeling it because I'm doing all these motions here. Now, upper body, I'm fine. Lower body, I'm atrophied. I need to go to the gym. And when you go, uh, are there days, let me ask you, are there days that you don't feel like going? Kendra, you're pretty regular at going to the gym these days. Are there days, though, that you don't feel like going? Yeah, he's giving me a nod. He's like, mm-hmm, where are you going with this? 
You do it anyway, though, right? Let me ask you this. Is it in your best interest to not go to the gym because you don't feel like it? Because when you get there, you're just going to have a disingenuous workout. You know, when you get there, you're going to have an unauthentic workout because you don't really want to be there. Ah, uh, you know, I don't want to worship God because it's just, it'll be disingenuous because it's not what I really feel like doing. Uh, I'm not going to worship God because it just it doesn't feel, I feel phony, like I'm unauthentic in doing it. Let me ask you this. You're on, you, you go work out. You're on the treadmill. You're on the weight machines, or you're lifting free weights, or you're doing all this. Let me ask you. Uh, you don't feel like doing it, but you're doing it. Are you still getting in your cardio? Are you still working out your muscles? Are you still burning calories? Are you still building muscles? Are you still growing stronger? Even though you don't feel like it? Are you? Yeah, you are. Thanks to discipline. It's discipline that gets you to the gym even when you don't feel like it. And it's discipline that's going to keep you on a path to being healthy. The, those of you that are, can I just say this before I go on? I want to say this about discipline. This is not in my notes, so this is a freebie. You parents, me included, tomorrow morning, my child your child may not be going, I just can't wait to get to school tomorrow. I just can't wait to get up at 6 a.m. and get ready for school and get there. And I know it's the end of the year, so all the fun stuff is happening right now. But just think about like, you know, about a month ago with when, or a few weeks ago when finals were happening. And there was so much excitement and everybody just wanted to be at school and just so looking forward to it. I don't wanna go to school. Do you make them go to school anyway? You do. Well, you know, they're just going to have an unauthentic math experience today because they don't want to be there, so I'm going to let them stay home. No, you don't do that. You make them go, right? We make them do this, right, because we know it's what's best for them. And some are like, well, I don't want to do it because I'm afraid the true officer is going to show up in my No, that's not why. You do it because you love your kid and you know what's best for them. So why in the world do Christian parents let their child have any option when it comes to church life? Listen, algebra is not going to help you in your relationship with Jesus. It's a great thing. It's going to help you in life, in this life that God gave us. But it's not going to make a difference for your eternity. But we make our kids do that. Why in the world do we give them any option whatsoever when it comes to the house of God? I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. It's awfully quiet in this Holy Ghost church. We get our kids to school. We get them to soccer. We get them to baseball. We get them to basketball. We get them to music lessons. We get them to all these things that they want to do. But Sunday morning, I don't want to go. Okay, well, I'm just going to sleep in. We'll just do church online, which really, you guys have done church online. You know how that really looks like when you have kids, right? That's a, that's a joke. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> we'll see you next Sunday in person. Why are, we, why are we so disciplined in other areas of our life, but not in 
the, the areas of our life that count for eternity. Come on, moms and dads. Let's teach our kids. Let's model for them. I don't want your kid to grow up and make a mess of their life. And you're like, well, I didn't raise them to do that. No, you didn't raise them to do that, but you didn't raise them not to either. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Some of you are grandparents in the room. Help your kids do better with their kids. Speak into the lives of your grandchildren. Listen, if, if you are here today and you're like, my kids are wrecked, listen, don't walk in condemnation for mistakes that may have been made. And maybe, listen, they, kids grow up and they, may ha- they have to make their own decisions. But when they're in our house still, when they're still under our household and under our authority, they don't get a choice in, these, in some of these things. Yeah, sure, you can pick out whatever clothes you want to wear, but we're going to church. And if your kids are astray today, if they're prodigal today, I'm praying with you and I'm believing with you that the seeds of the gospel that were planted in their hearts, they will spring forth one day and they will come back home to Jesus. Don't give up on your kids if they're astray. But those of us that have kids in our house now today, let's let's make sure they're not just disciplined in academia or in sports or in the arts. Let's make sure that the most important thing is that they're disciplined spiritually. If you guys want to put some extra in the offering later, you can do that. <laughs> Listen, those of you that are musicians and vocalists and athletes, there's times that you might want to not put in the time. You might not want to put in the, the effort, the practice time. But you know that if you don't do it, that when it comes time to perform, you're just going to get out on the field. You're just going to get out on the court. You're just going to get out at the recital. And you're just going to flop and make a fool of yourself. So what do you do? You discipline yourself to rehearse and to practice, right? Discipline is when you're tired and you feel like giving up, but you push through because you know it's worth it. And the truth is, is there are going to be days, and maybe even today, of all days, on Mother's Day. You didn't feel like coming, but you did, and you walked through those doors, and when you did, you didn't automatically find yourself engulfed in the presence of God, you know, but you choose to you you, you chose anyway to come. You chose to worship. Good job. You chose to set your eyes on God. You chose to sing these songs. You chose to engage your heart. You, you're, not, not, you're not just worshiping now just from a response. You're doing it from a place of discipline. It's something that you choose day in and day out. I think we have a misunderstanding about the word passion. Well, I don't want to do that because I'm not passionate about it. What you're saying is you don't want to do it because you don't have a feeling about it. But real passion is less about feeling and more about conviction. Real passion gets you up at four o'clock in the morning. Right, Lucas? <laughs> That's wake up time to go to the gym, right? Real passion gets you up, not because you feel like wanting to get up at four o'clock in the morning, but you have a conviction about, hey, this is how I want my body to perform on the soccer field. 
So this is why I'm getting up and I'm getting to the gym and I'm working out because I have a conviction about how I want to perform. And your conviction about Jesus is the same. I'm going to do this not because I feel it or don't feel it, because I'm going to have a conviction about who he is and how I'm going to respond to him no matter how I feel. Because he's worth it. The, the, the root word of discipline comes from the word disciplus, the Latin word for pupil, which is also it provides us the word disciple. And too often, people want to be a disciple of Jesus, but without the discipline. But discipleship takes discipline. Being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus means that we learn the way of our master and then we do the way of our master whether we feel like it or not. In John's gospel, Jesus said this in uh, John chapter 4. He said, The time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. One of the ways to interpret this, well, really the main way to interpret this, is that when you worship God, you're doing it from everything that you are. Everything that you are is worshiping God. And one of the ways that we can say this is, is that we're worship, worshiping him from our heart and our head. You're worshiping him with your feelings and you're worshiping him with your knowledge and understanding. It's not just one or the other. It's not just heart or the head. We need both. It's not just, hey, I just want to have... I want to go into worship and just have all the fills. I want to get the Holy Ghost goosebumps. And I don't really need any substance. I just want all the tingly feelings. On Thursday night, my wife and I and our daughters, we went to a concert. Kenny Loggins is on his very last tour, so he says. Um, we'll see. But he's 75, so it's very likely. It's his very last tour. And uh, it's at First Bank Amphitheater, and there's thousands and thousands of people, and it was amazing. And Jamie and I got really good seats, and the girls sat, like, you know, way back behind us. And in between the opening act and when Kenny Loggins shows up, there's this family that comes and sits right in front of us. And, um, you know, we just got to talking with them, chit-chatting, and they're from out of town. And they're just really fun people. And uh, just, you know, kind of cutting up with us and having a good time. And she asks, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. She says, oh, pray for me that I get to heaven. <laughs> so I see here's a person who has a consciousness of God. She has some theology. It's not well-formed biblical theology, but she has a consciousness of God. So cool. All right. So, you know. I wasn't at the Kenny Loggins concert to, you know, close the deal and on her evangelism and, you know. But we did have some chit-chat and some conversation and, you know, it, it would go over this way and it would go over that way and then it, she would always, like, bring something spiritual back up from time to time. And towards the end of the show, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this, during the show, which is amazing, Kenny Loggins still has it, everybody. Good job for him. 75. During the show, she and many other people were engaged in worship. They spent their hard-earned money to get there. 
and they spent their time and the time that it would take to even get out of the parking lot after the show was over, for some people, maybe two hours, because it's just a terrible road. <laughs> but during the show, people are singing the songs and lifting their hands just like we do here on Sunday mornings. Seriously, this lady right in front of me, many times, this is the exact posture. Clapping, of course. And at one point, towards the end of the show, in between songs, she turns around, and again, she's trying to like always come back to something spiritual now that she knows that I'm a pastor. And she says to Jamie and I, she says, can't you feel that? Can't you feel God right now? And I thought, this poor lady, she feels a spirit of worship, but it, the, the spirit of worship here to, today, tonight is not to Yahweh. It's to Kenny. And it's to these songs. And it's to the memories that she had when she first listened to the songs, you know, 30, 40 years ago. 50 years ago, some of them. That's what she was worshiping, and that's what many people in the, in the amphitheater were worshiping. She felt a spirit of work. She got the tinglys. She got the goosebumps, but she didn't have the substance. Are you hearing me? Is there anything wrong with getting the Holy Ghost goosebumps? No. I want them too. But if that's all I have, and I have no real image of who God the creator is, then I'm not worshiping God in his image. I'm worshiping God in the image I want him to be in. It might be a God I'm worshiping. I'm, I'm, he is. He's full of grace and he's full of mercy. Praise God. But maybe I'm, I'm not really conscious of the one who is righteous and he's holy. Sometimes we end up worshiping an experience, which is what I think this, this is what this lady was caught up in. I just want to come into the room and I just want to feel his presence. Do not turn on the fluorescent lights. The Holy Spirit hates fluorescent lights. I just want the lights, the LEDs, and I want them to work properly, but they're not doing that today. And I just when I want them to hit that pad, and I just want to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit come in. Listen, I love all that stuff. That's great. But what you're doing is you're worshiping an experience. You, you, you're worshiping an atmosphere. And atmosphere is great. Atmosphere can help us get our heart in the right place. But it's not, I didn't come here to worship an experience. I came here for an encounter with the living God. So let me just say, it's not just about your feelings, but it's also not just about your head. It's not only about knowledge and understanding. J Jamie and I, we're going to celebrate 24 years of marriage this August. Praise the Lord. And, and there's, there's, there's something about her that I know. There's a lot of things I know, but this one thing will never change. She loves flowers. She, you do. You love them. Luke and Molly sent some flowers over this week because Jamie had been to the doctor, and they're like, hey, we just want to cheer you up. That was so nice, and it was wonderful. She loves flowers, and I know that about her. And so, you know, I'm just thinking about there's been times, you know, an anniversary. I'm driving around, and I'm thinking I'm going 
to stop and get my wife flowers today, the most expensive florist in town, Walmart. And <laughs> right? Seven dollar, praise the Lord. Peel that price tag off. Um, and I walk through the door. Just imagine this. It's our anniversary. I've stopped, and I've got flowers, and I walk through the door with this beautiful bouquet. She loves them. She goes, oh, I feel so loved. Thank you so much. You know, I just love flowers. And I go, yes, I do know that you are my wife. I know that today is our anniversary, and I know that I'm supposed to do something like this on our anniversary, and I know that you like flowers, and that is why I did this. It is my duty. It is my obligation as a husband to do this because I know it's our anniversary. How do you think she would respond to that? <laughs> I can imagine her saying something like, well, that doesn't make me feel very loved. I don't want you just to know about me. I don't want you to just do something because you have to do it. Listen, it can't just be all head and no heart. That doesn't work either, right? We need both. We worship God with our heart and our emotions, our feelings, and we also worship God with our head, with our knowledge and our understanding. We seek him. We discover who he is. You, and let me just say this. You, if you go to the scriptures and study the scriptures, it will help you become a better worshiper because it will reveal to you more about the character and nature of God. It'll, it'll widen your scope of who he is, and it will help you It'll help your head, and it will help your heart both to worship him rightly. So let's worship him with our heart. Let's worship him with our head. Let's worship him because he's worthy, and let's do it even if we don't feel like it. Some of you are in a season right now, and you're in a rut right now, and I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to find, figure out somehow, some way to inject worship into your dark night into your anxiety, into your depression, into your panic, whatever it is that you feel like smothering you. And you might feel like, J.D., you know what? I just don't have the energy. I don't have the voice. I don't have the breath. I, I, I don't have what it takes to sing a song of praise right now. Well, praise God for Spotify. Because someone made a playlist, and someone's praising God right now. Praise the Lord. And you can just search and pull up their playlist and hit play. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you've got worship entering into the moment, into your dark night. Yeah, but I don't feel like listening to worship right now. So? So what? Here's the marvelous thing that God did when he gave you a will. I'm not going to let my feelings lead me. I have a will, so I am going to lead my feelings. I'm going to lead them by punching that button right there. And the whole time it's playing, you can say, well, I don't like this. I don't want this. I don't feel this. I'm not into this. But just let it keep playing. Why? Because worship will change the atmosphere. It'll change your heart. Jesus said in John chapter 4, what did he say? That, he is, that God is seeking worshipers. 
He's seeking worshipers. He's looking for them. He's like, come on, where are you? Who wants to worship me? Is there anyone out there who cares enough to find me? Who's going to worship me? Where are they? I want you to do this. Stand with me right now. Do you want to start developing some healthy habits of worship in your life? Do you want to start worshiping God with your heart and your head? Can you develop some discipline in the place of worship? Can you respond to how awesome that God is? Can we just do this for like 60 seconds? For just like 60 seconds, for one minute, let's just open our mouth out loud. Let's ascribe worth to our great God. Let's place some value on him. Let's express our gratitude to him for who he is and for all he's done. And, and you can say anything that you like. You can say anything that comes to your mind. But I just, I, if you don't know, I just want to help you. I just want to help you. Like putting on a Spotify playlist. I just want to do this. We're gonna, we got this right up here on the screen. These are just some worship phrases that you can say. We're just, these are just, you know, we're just spitball worship phrases. Let's just say them. You're like, well, I don't feel like it. That's okay. You just say it, and you got to lead your feelings, right? And you say, God, you're awesome. You're a good father. There's no one like you. You're worthy of all praise and all honor and glory. Whatever it is, you know. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. And just let this right here be a catalyst. Let it be a springboard for you and just keep going. Like you get to the end of that and you're like, thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. It's Mother's Day, so God, thank you for my mom. Thank you for my wife, the mother of my children. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for healing my body. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for Jesus going to the cross to die for my sins. Then he was raised from the grave. And he lives in heaven and is interceding for me. God, thank you for that I've got a roof over my head. Thank you that I've got food on the table. Thank you, God, for a car that runs. Thank you, God, for my church. Thank you, and just keep going. And thank him and praise him. And I know that for some of us, it might be a little uncomfortable. That's okay. I know how that feels. It can be uncomfortable the first time that you get into the gym. Right? But you do it, and when you're done, you're like, man, I'm just really glad I did that. Can I tell you, there have been times, I'm the pastor of this church. There's times like, man, I don't feel like coming to church today. But you have to. You're the pastor. You think I can't call out sick? Sure I could. Sure I could. But I don't. And every single time I have that feeling of like, man, I'm just not feeling it today. And I show up and I gather with the people of God every single time. Every single time. Every single time. No lie. Every single time. Everybody just say with me, every single time. I get done. We get done with the worship. I leave and go, my goodness, I'm glad I didn't call out sick today. Every single time. And you, it's like going to the gym also. You go and you do it. You're like, man, I'm glad I did that. And then you go the next time and it's a little easier. And then you go the next time and it's a little easier. And you go the next time and it's even easier. What, what good is it to know how to change a broken canooter valve if you never, if you, never you know, change it? If you never fix it? <laughs> what good is it for you to know how to worship if you then never worship? What good is it for you to, to like learn how to be a disciple of Jesus if you just if you don't do what disciples do? 
right? And so let's do this. Let's just, you can shout, you can say in a normal voice, but out loud with your mouth for like 60 seconds, I'm gonna put a timer right here on my phone. Like, man, he's like serious. Yeah. Just have like, you know, it's like one of those like 60 little like cardio warm-ups that you do before you do the thing that's much more difficult. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm going to kill myself, come to as close to killing myself as I can before I do the bigger workout. So let's do this. 60 seconds, uninterrupted praise from everyone in the room. Come on, let's ascribe worth to God. Ready, set, go. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are true. There is none like you. I give you everything, all of my life, Lord God. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. You're so wonderful. You're so good. You're so faithful. God, you're faithful to every generation. Every generation, God, including me, my kids, Lord God, my family. I'm so thankful to you, God. I just praise you. And I want to honor you, not just with my words, but with my life, Lord God. I want to honor you with my time. Come on, 15 more seconds. Come on, you're worthy, Jesus. Don't slow down. Let's press in. Come on. Hallelujah, Lord God. There's none like you. There's none like you. There is none like you. There is none like you. You're worthy to be praised. You are worthy of all honor and glory and praise. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Now, see... Some of y'all need to get your phone out and just take a picture of the screen right now. Because tomorrow morning, that's how you need to wake up. And just for like 60 seconds tomorrow morning, we're like, hey, guys, we're making our homes an altar. Is this just lip service or are we doing it for real? You want to make mom's Mother's Day? Come on. When you get home and after everybody gets their, maybe before their nap, but probably after they wake up from their nap. It's like, come on, let's do that thing 60 more seconds again. Let's make our home an altar. Let's, and you know, do it by yourself. Do it with the whole family. Seriously, take your phone out. Snap that picture. We'll leave it up there for you. Yeah, good job. Let's go after the Lord. Let's worship him in response. Let's worship him when it's a discipline. Because why? Because he's worth it. He's worth it. You're worth it, Jesus. I want to worship you with every part of my life, God. It's not just a statement of faith that's written on the website of my heart, Lord God, but it's how I live my life. God, when I examine my life, I want it to look like a life of sacrifice and worship to you because you are worth it, God. You are worth it. Jesus, we honor you in this place. We honor you in our hearts. We want to honor you in our homes, in every decision that we make in our lives. God, we thank you for this good life that you've given to us. God, there are hard times. There are difficult times. There are dark times, but it doesn't change your character and nature. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you're worthy to be praised on the mountaintop, then you're worthy to be praised in the valley. You are worth it, God. Praise you and honor you and worship you.